well, Friday has come, and with Fridays, um, I always want to leave everything on a positive note. But before we do that, I want to talk about um, mental health a little bit. And I hope I don't go off into a tangent, because I do want to enjoy my weekend. Um, So I want to get off here and spend some time with the kids. They just got home. So, you know, I, I find it really fascinating hanging out with my family um, outside of my house because it's like you're in a kind of like in a time machine in a sense because when I go to Colorado I have my grandfather who's 82 and his wife my grandmother who's 79 and then I have my uncle who's in his mid to late 50s and my other uncle who's in his mid 50s and then my mother who's in her late 50s Then I have my cousins who are in their early 20s and still teenagers. Um, I I have a spectrum of experiences to tap into. And then I have my own, which are superior to all of theirs because I live them myself. I've lived them myself and I have learned everything that I have from my experiences. Um, I know not to touch a snake because they could bite me. You know, I've, I've developed my own experiences, my own failures, all those things kind of manifest into who I am and see for me I remember how scared scared I was at 17 years old and remembering how am I going to be able to take care of myself it seemed so impossible so difficult to even imagine making enough money to pay for a home or to to buy things or to take care of a kid how am I ever going to possibly have a child they're so expensive and how am I going to be able to pay for a car and see luckily my mom despite the fact that most of my childhood we were financially strapped you know I bought my own car Um, I paid for my own insurance which was more than the goddamn car which is a crime again in itself um I rode my bike to work. Like I rode my bike over two miles one way just to wash dishes to make five bucks an hour to work three or four hours, four days a week, um, to make minimum wage, which was like five fifteen an hour. Um, I I did a lot of things at a young age and working wise that positioned me to really be intimidated by life because here I am. 16, 17 years old, working at a gas station restaurant, making five bucks an hour, working with a crackhead, washing dishes. Um, And I remember how much doubt people had in me as a young man. Um, My mom obviously trusted that I was going to perform. She tells me that. And I know she told people that even when I was in my early 20s that I was going to figure shit out. And I admire myself for being able to fulfill her expectations but my own grandparents were skeptical Um, my whole family was because I was a 1.8 GPA high school graduate Um, I barely got out of high school Um, I got into the military Um, not I actually scored really high in like two or three different areas but I wasn't impressive on my ASVAB scores I ended up taking a job in the army And then I did five years in the service, did two tours in Iraq, got out, was still a douche. Um, and, and I went to college and I, and I struggled for a bit and my first, 
semester in college, I had a 1.8 GPA and I was terrified that I was going to be this failure, that I was going to be like my, my dad's side of the family, not my dad, but my dad's side of the family, that I was going to be this social program, that I was just designed and biologically built to be a failure. Um, and I remember just having a tremendous amount of doubt in myself as a person, right? And even in high school, to go back to high school, like, um, I was so set on going to Iraq and joining the military. It was like, because college football didn't pan out for me quite the way I thought it would, it was just an expectation that I was going to join the military if plan A backfired. And, um, I was going to get a gun and I was going to kill those Iraqis for flying those planes into our, into our buildings, even though I had no idea what was really going on at the time. And I met my wife when I was 23, spent the better part of, you know, three years, three and a half years, four years with her before we got married. And things started to slow down for me around 27, 26, 27, when my daughter was born. There's something about a child that as a man, a responsible, loving, caring human being, not every man can do this, but for me at least, triggered this biological or chemical reaction in my brain that made me a little bit more disciplined. I graduated college because of my wife, but I graduated with my girl in her car seat at my high, my, my college graduation where I graduated with a 3.0. And I was proud to have walked the line, even though she was a baby and wouldn't remember it. I walked, I walked down that line for my daughter. And then later... After graduating college, there were no more excuses, and I still couldn't land a good job. Holy shit, my first job was at a Bank of New York Mellon as an account analyst, putting together books and cash ledgers and balance sheets, and I sucked at it because I didn't go to college for accounting, but I needed a job, right? So... I get an opportunity to work at a law firm, work there for a year. I get fired because again, I'm not an accountant, not an accountant. And that was in 2014. We're, we're, we're six years ago, folks. We're six years ago at this point. And between 2014 to 2016, I had a period of melancholy Uh, I gave up on myself. Um, I worked a bunch of $30,000 a year jobs, um, barely being able to make enough to provide for my family. And then one day I remember I had this really brilliant idea at work at this printing company. And it was to document every single printer that the company owned And to be able to import all that data from those printers from their location at the headquarters and you wouldn't need to do these meter reads. So I created this very advanced Excel spreadsheet and I got fired. 
That's two jobs in two years I lost because I was being who I was. Is there something wrong with me, I thought. Am I the bad guy here? Paul Kavanaugh, I hope you're listening to this, told me I'd never amount to anything. Jeff Moore, I hope you're listening to this, told me I wouldn't amount to anything. Handful of other adults questioned my will to prove them wrong. And people can sit here and say I'm petty. I am the most petty person ever. But my pettiness and my chip on my shoulder, my bitterness toward those people, to those words, to those things, to the people who fired me, who let me go, that vindictive, pompous dickery that's in me that proved them wrong is why I'm here today because I never gave up. I kept fighting and coming up with another avenue until I got to it. And that avenue occurred between that job at the printer company and this National Link job that I had where the job was to um, call appraisers all around the country. And I was nervous. I was nervous because I lived an hour and a half away and I was driving one way every day. I was nervous because I would be on the phone for the first time in my entire career where I'm talking to people I don't know and asking people to appraise things. And I was going to have to get a license. And it wasn't something I ever did before. And the supervisor had his dick up against the back of my shoulder. And I had went to Disney World the, the week before. So I lost a week of training on top of it. And he was being a bit of a bully. And I quit. I said, you're physically assaulting me with your crotch in my shoulder. Who's, who does that? And uh, it ended very quickly with me ending that job. He asked me if I wanted to come back in. I said, no, fuck you. I'm out. And I was right next to my college with this job. You can call it fate. You can call it karma. You can call it whatever you want. But I said, this college, I spent my entire GI Bill on a business degree. And I sit here in a parking lot, parking lot, having quit this third job in two years. My grandpa sitting there saying, Ryan, you can't, you can't keep quitting jobs. My wife doubting me, Ryan, why are you quitting another job? My mother wasn't really concerned all that much. My dad, not really concerned all that much. I said, I'm calling my college tomorrow. But before I do that, I wanted to call the VA again and see if I could finish my master's. I go to Voc Rehab. They have a powwow with me and they have me take some tests. And I figure out what I'm good at. I start going back to grad school. And in one of the classes, I do database management. And in database management, I had been doing it at BNY Mellon when I was an account analyst. And I did a little bit of Excel sheets and Excel spreadsheets and billing and all these other things. So I already had a leg up in terms of my overall understanding with technology and an accounting sense. And I realized what my strength was, was that I was a business analyst this whole time. I was fundamentally a business analyst. I wasn't an accountant. I wasn't a financier. I was just 
looking at things in a different way. I was 31. After that, I proceeded to get a job at the VA after getting my job, after getting my college education, while pursuing my college education through the Veteran Affairs, the VA said, Ryan, this is how you apply for jobs with the VA. And less than three months, I had a job at the VA working part-time. I would go to work. I'd work part-time at the hospital. I had great help from the veteran center that I worked at and the men and women that worked in that building were so great to me, so kind, so graceful. And I learned more about the VA, about helping veterans. I learned about myself and helping others. Um, And I did that for about six months. And then I get a phone call. The phone call that changed my life and my family's life forever. And it was after I was told that I was a business analyst for my professor. I turned down a job with the CIA um, because I would have to move my family to Langley, Virginia for $60,000 a year doing a job I wasn't sure I'd like. And it was a headhunter for this company called Envision out of Phoenix, Arizona. They called me from a 402 number or something like that out of Phoenix. You got this job near where you live. How is there any jobs out where I live? I live out in the out in the freaking sticks. It's for a company they're looking for a BA. It's 20 bucks, 25 bucks an hour. You work for the VA right now? Yeah, I do. The VA got me my opportunity that I've always seeked and that was to work for the government but working at the VA got opened a door for me I'd never made even a fraction of that before $25 an hour the idea of that telling my wife that my wife was excited but she was also kind of skeptical like is this even a thing is this just is this a telemarketer job is this just like National Inc a couple weeks goes by I get the interview. I meet my boss. I meet my boss's boss. And I meet my boss's boss's boss. And we sit there and we talk about my experience. We talk about life. We talk about people. Not thinking I'd even have a chance at this job. I left and had another job opportunity to work in the IT department at the VA. I got a new car. I got a Corolla. I was preparing to drive on the turnpike. 60 miles a day to go to work at the VA to work in database management for their IT service department. My boss gives me a call. Ryan, would you be willing to entertain an offer for a full-time job? Sure, I'd be foolish not to. I still wasn't quite sold on staying at the company I work at they offer me a job how much do you want 20% more than I'm making now why not I'm going to the VA I know what I'm going to get there I'm going to get 60 days of paid vacation a year decent benefits and I'm going to retire out of the VA the universe didn't see it quite that way I got the job now the last three years have been 
amazing. Today's my three-year anniversary at my job that I love. The relationships I've built in this job are incredible. It's the only job I've ever had that I actually enjoy coming to every day. But I recognize, I'm self-aware enough to know that I'm only as great as this moment because of the work and the dedication that I put toward my craft, toward the people who supported me and from the doubters who doubted me, and that I'm only as strong as my weakest moment. I'll say that again. I'm only as strong as my weakest moment. Whether you're in first place or you're in last place, you always have to finish. Even when you doubt yourself and you're in pain, pain mentally, pain physically, psychologically, spiritually, you have to finish. You can't stop until you finish. Then you can assess. Then you can complain. Then you can stop. But you can't until you're there. Because if you quit once, you'll quit again. So just remember this. You, you might know somebody. You might be that somebody. You might meet somebody that is having a tough time right now. And maybe you have an opportunity to help them. Or to help yourself. Or to someday help them. When you come across them. It isn't Jesus. It isn't God. It isn't religion. It isn't faith. It isn't some superpower. It's you. You have the opportunity to help those people. You can do it while still pursuing your own happiness. You're not selfish. And know that this moment might be great, but you may again face another day of adversity. And you will face another day of adversity. But you got to prepare for it can't wait for somebody else to do it for you and you can't quit I hope you guys have an amazing weekend and that you remember that you are a composite of your life experiences I have a cousin who is 17 who spoke and yelled and yammered about joining the marines Only being spoon-fed a steady diet of middle-class three square meals a day. Spoon-fed parents that loved him. Spoon-fed his adversity and his struggle. They were his safety net. And now this young man wants to join the Marines. And I think to myself... What a wonderful world. No, I think to myself, this young man is not ready. This young man needs to be hardened, to be battle tested, 
to be put in a position to be able to withstand the rigors of the psychological trauma that's about ready to be unleashed on him if he were to join the Marines. I thought I was ready for basic training with a shitty childhood with a bad stepdad and some horrible relatives. But it was hard. I thought I was ready for Iraq. Seeing people severed in half, guts on the ground, blood burning black on the asphalt. I wasn't ready. At some point, we have to make that leap. And in order to make that leap, we have to be prepared. So I advise all of my friends and family and loved ones, do what your heart tells you. Do not doubt yourself. For you are the only person who knows how you truly are inside. Everybody else gets a glimpse of it. They get the tip of the iceberg, but you have everything underneath the surface of the ocean. Are you ready for that challenge? Are you ready for that mistake? Are you ready for the fractions of mistakes that you're going to make along the way that could change your life forever? And are you ready for a little bit of luck? (laughs) A lot of luck for me. It's time to get hardened, to be battle tested, to work hard, be resilient, to attack your problems head on and understand that it's okay to cry. It's okay to be weak. But don't stay there too long. It's time to go hunt. I hope everybody has a great weekend. Everybody love everybody. This is fair. I'm out.